He left us. He left us. Jurassic Park? Yep. But that's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> Uh, they just released the poster for Jurassic World Dominion, and I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go see it. I'll go see it, but I won't be happy that I'm seeing it, because the last two movies were terrible. I thought Jurassic World was fine. Mm-mm. It's terrible. No, it's not. When was the last it's th- fun. No, it's not. It's terrible. No. When was, the last, such a- when was the last time you watched it? In the theater opening night. Yeah. Go watch it again. You'll be like, I remember being wow. like, I remember having a little bit of the awe again. No. Tell you what, though. Jurassic Park holds up. It does. It's so good. I know DNA. Well, look at here. <laughs> Double O. Er, 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 er. Um, I do want to thank everyone that has bought me booze. Even if I haven't um, thanked you on here, there's one person. I got to find his name. I really appreciate it. It's so great. You guys are just awesome. Thank you very much. What are they buying you? What did you What'd you get? Because I begged them for booze. Right. <laughs> um, right. So a great person sent me some Four Roses. Uh, someone else sent me a whole bunch of beer. Um, Ryan sent me this really cool bourbon. It's like a, um infused bourbon. Uh, there was another one that I'm forgetting. It was all like the the harbor was like got a lot of it right either like right before or after Everly was born, and so I was like, oh, um, um, thank you. Anyways, back to you know craziness. We'll have Kate get their uh, name yeah. so we can say it in the in the show. <laughs> Kate, celebrate yeah, Kate, them. If, you, if you could find that, Kate. That'd, if that'd you gave Luke booze, please, yeah, please, chime please in. let us know. Yeah, <laughs> please. I really want to thank you. It's um, it's been so crazy. Um, yeah, we haven't even gotten our uh, thank yous out yet for everyone that got that got Everly stuff. All so many patrons got her stuff. It was so cool. Oh, that's awesome. So cool. And um, yeah. Hey, do you want to go old school really quick? Let's kick it old school. school Let's kick it old school. I got my throwback jersey on. Let's do it. All right. So, first of all, congratulations to Hannah Bachweg and Adam. I don't know his last name. They got married a couple of weeks ago, and we we were um, at the wedding. It was awesome. Um, Hannah had a roommate named Maria, who's become a fan of the show. Hi, Maria. And she asked Hannah, who got in touch with me, I guess, or or, um, something like that, because she wanted to hear our Endgame review, which we ended up just posting to Patreon back in 2019. Feels like a lifetime ago. Am am I right? It really does. Wow. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's only like, you know, probably not not even... um, Probably uh, 16 months or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I sent the file. I emailed the file over to Maria so she could hear it. And I was, I'm was i listening to it on the way back. And I was like, man, this is so good. We're so good at this. And also, I <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, for you, you really dominated the um, conversation on, on that one. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm like, <laughs> Gomer, back off just a little bit. <laughs> People would make these great points, and you go, wait, wait, but then this, and you would change it completely. <laughs> but it, it, it was good, though. Um, <laughs> I thought it would be fun to kind of, let's just, you know, let's take a look back on the MCU completely, you know, uh, just very non-prepared, which is our, which is the Catching Fox's way, and just say, hey, like, in hindsight, how do you view the, end, the MCU now, specifically Endgame? I view Endgame as an inferior film compared to Infinity War. 
I think there was I, – I wish in a way Infinity War almost was the end. I, I know it, it couldn't be, but Infinity War hit almost all the right notes in so many different ways that I just loved. And Endgame was a bit too heisty and, hey, remember when we did that kind of thing? Uh, it was fitting for a 10th year anniversary wrap-up film, but at the same time, I, I don't know. That stuff kind of gets annoying. Uh, but when Cap gets the hammer, all is well. <laughs> See, I um, I still think it's – oh, man, it's it's so interesting because Infinity War, I would agree with you, is a better movie, but Infinity War has more dull parts, I think. Than Endgame, uh, certain parts of Infinity War kind of drag. Where I, th- I think Infinity, where I think Endgame, uh, is just so bam, 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 bam. And I actually like the going back because I think it uh, makes sense in terms of the context of these of these of the story. And they don't do too much of a. Uh, it's not Back to the Future Part Two. There's a bit of that with <laughs> Thor Two, but it actually is really a moving for Thor's character. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. fine. Like I almost don't, I don't even care because uh, I care more about the journey that he's on. Um, I do think that I think all the notes were great that that they hit. I still think. What Endgame did to me that is so impressive is they pulled off what every big action film tries to pull off but hardly ever does, which is the end battle scene is fantastic. Yes, yes. They made the cheesy end battle scene good and have a little bit of weight, and that hardly ever happens in a film. Every MCU film, for the most part, the last battle scene, besides the Avengers, that's that's another one that... Hits it well. It kind of followed that. I guess mm-hmm. actually, now that I think about it, it kind of followed that same line of like, hey, so to me, the last forty-five minutes is just going to be this fight, but it's the dynamics within it that you're really going to enjoy, not the fight itself, which then makes the fight itself even more fun. I still would rather have the Joss Whedon story, but the Russo brothers direct it, because I think what where Joss Whedon was going with the with the Avengers was really interesting, specifically. The um, Black Widow Hulk angle. I thought that was wonderful and so interesting. And I am so pissed that because of all like the whiny people, they got they got rid of it. What do you mean? I thought it was so the whole dynamic of they they um, like each other. Hulk is like this can't work. I can't have kids. I can't. I'm the Hulk. I can't. Uh, I can't. I'm um, risk you getting hurt. Can't get my heart rate up, lady. Yeah. No. Like quite literally. And um, he's you know he goes. I'm gonna do the math. I can't. And then, um, then you um, have Black Widow who says, "Well, you know, they, I'm basically sterilized, so I sterilized. That, that's the wrong word, but like she's had surgery done, so she can't have kids, and it's done to make her and." And yeah. effective on the killer. So it's not. And speak of the devil, I just got a text from Jonathan Alexander. Um, the fact that in order to take away her to keep her a killer they took away her her uh, her um, ability to produce life i thought that was so fascinating yeah. and how they were finding a bond over this kind of like hidden monster that they both were and then no she's not a monster because she can't um, reproduce it's because she's a she's trained to be a um, ruthless killer and that's within her and to the point where she you know she like can't she was okay having this almost surgery where she couldn't have uh, kids so she could be a killer. Yeah. 
you know, and a seductress. Um, and yeah, I thought that was such an interesting and unique story. I the, femi- know, the it was that was like a feminist backlash, yeah, right? Like it's yeah. They were like, yeah, I mean, oh, it, so she's a monster because it's all about women having kids, and and, and it's not your own feminist. It's it's just like the hardcore ones that are on yeah. the incomparable. You know, where it's just like, oh, I don't want to hear you right now. I think that's uh, literally the last incomparable episode I listened to. Yeah, that's when they kind of lost me as well. Because it just, it wasn't about that at all. It, it's, it's just about the fact that they took away her ability to have kids so she could be a killer. So she could seduce men and then kill them. <laughs> yeah, it's that not about is the Black career. Widow. Like, yeah, it's not about like, yeah, it's just like, you know, or, or that if you can't have kids, that means you're bad. Like, that's not what it was saying at all. And I just thought it was such an interesting angle. And Joss Wheaton's so good at that. And Hawkeye being of the center, trying to keep everyone everyone up together. And you just lose all of that after that. Mm. Now, they keep the Tony, um, the Tony Steve angle, which is fine. But I really would have liked to have seen the Joss Wheaton... Um, I would like to have seen that storyline played out because I think it was really interesting. And to not have that, I think, honestly, I don't know what else you have um, Natalie do besides just be like, this is my family. I was bad once. Now, that's what she gets reduced to. And it's and it's I'm mean, not that like oh, she needs Hulk, but it's good for it's so interesting to see her have this intimate relationship with a with you know a person, and they're trying to figure out how do they navigate, how can two people like that have a relationship? That's really interesting, and they kind of took that away from her, and I, I just really didn't I I thought it made her a less interesting character, and again it really isn't because of who she likes, it was because of how, just you know how does she have relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That is interesting. So, all in all, still good, but I, I, I'm still in this phase where I'm like, oh, I'm still – I'm just kind of let down by that. But again, when Tony dies, I think that's so interesting that not only does he learn how to, how to sacrifice, he learns how to sacrifice – like his family, like his life with his family for like his sacrifice is so great because of what he gives up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good insight, Luke. Thank you. Good. I really insight. just wanted to process that out loud. <laughs> Sneaking in. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually kind of ties into uh, what what I wanted to talk about. Are you ready to do that? Yes, I am, Luke. How are you? <laughs> I don't know. So uh, as you guys all know, about nine years ago, I decided, hey, you know what would be great? Let's become a principal of a pre-K through 12 school out in, <laughs> out in Idaho. So that was the thing. It's a real thing. Um, and I miss it. So I miss everyone there so much. But anyways, uh, so much. I'm dead inside. Um, so I did a lot of work. But I mean, I, I like love organizational and, and um, leadership theory. So I like to – I was already doing – I mean, I do this stuff all the time. But especially then, I was like, okay, how do I lead this? Like I want to be the best that I can. Like I want to look read all the theory. I really want to know, you know, all this stuff. And I, so I was – I. I read a couple things, and I came across this one study that talked about what did the most, um, what did the best some CEOs like? What were the common traits that they have? Not in terms of their, you know, educational um, background or like what were some basic skills that they did that helped them be good? And they came up, they actually came up with three things. One is they were um, they were well organized. Two effective and the third one was 
persistent. Or organize, effective, persistent. And I've thought about that a ton over the past nine years. And I th- honestly think for me, the hardest one out of those two is the persistent part. And I think that's where a lot of us are right now. And especially as it relates to uh, just the Catholic life or like the Christian project, it's hard to be persistent, man. Think about how many people from school have actually um, left the faith or the faith is, you know, it isn't quite, isn't um, quite the same or they had a much harder um, go of it than you had, than you had, than you had expected. And right now, for very good reason, we are all at our wits end. And I don't know what else to do besides keep going. And I honestly think that I'm almost starting to view the ability to be persistent as like praying for the supernatural grace of hope and then just keep, and acting and just keep and like almost it's like an everyday thing like like just asking for hope and then I'm choosing to you know keep going because I don't know what else you do besides lose your mind what do you mean by like, I feel like well-organized is a very clear understanding. Because we know yes. what disorganized is. Yes. Yep. You know, and, and disorganized can even – even that or well-organized can come in different shades. Like, I might have stacks of papers, but if I know what's in them, I'm fine with those stacks. Yeah. But it would be better to have them in a filing cabinet and easily accessible and blah, blah, blah. Well, I think I th- that's actually what you hit on is it's easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Like, and preserved and protected – uh, accordingly mm-hmm. go on mm-hmm. so then my next question is effective effective i can understand what the word effective means right like you are good at accomplishing what you set out to accomplish but i feel like that is like to say you know what this these uh most successful ceos have in common one they're successful right like that's what i feel like effective is it's such a broad term rooted in hmm. like it has a lot of like well organized seems yeah. to me to yes. be like a thing yeah. has its place i know where that place is i can retrieve it when i need it when i don't need it it's not occupying my mental space right it's there it's good i know what's coming today tomorrow next week next quarter next year i'm good so but, can i can yeah. i speak to that for uh oh, maybe you can speak just a to second. it all night long so this is actually a really Interesting point. Um, there was a study in this other book I read done on strategy, and by read I mean I listened to a podcast on on the on the <laughs> art of manliness. But it makes sense now, now that I think about it. Um, where you can have two different you can have two different strategies, and they can be very well executed, almost like almost like perfectly, and one does well and 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 the other bombs completely. And so one of the one of the examples that they gave was: Do you remember the beta, uh, the um, Betamax tapes or whatever? Oh yeah, VHS yeah. versus Beta. So, yeah, ex- explain to the kids like what that was, because a lot of our audience probably is like, "What the hell are you talking about, sirs?" Yeah, so that came out when me and you were like in our diapers. So like I last week, barely uh, remember this being a thing. Being a thing. Yeah, basically Sony's Betamax, which was a proprietary uh, 
magnetic storage device like a VHS cassette tape. Uh, it was it was just a piece of technology. It was a format war like any other format war that we've had. MP3 verse, you know, Windows Media audio and they, all the kids have no idea what you're talking oh about. gosh it was a format <laughs> war so there are two different standards that were competing for dominance oh, this, yeah and it was beta kind of was 10 times same thing. Was beta better. was 10 times yeah. better but maybe not 10 it times better it yeah. sounded better yeah. but it was proprietary to sony everyone owed sony a kickback and it was a little bit more complicated whereas vhs was easier widely available you know whatever because when you had the Betamax tapes, apparently that was on almost as good as like having like a theater reel. So if you were to watch a movie, the quality of the picture would almost be as good as if, if you were actually at the movies. And one of the things that really hurt like Beta was that all, all of the theaters pushed against it hard. And all of the, on the production companies and all of so they went against it hard, hard, hard. And so that helped. It basically killed on Betamax. And then you, then you have like VHS that, um, that won. But if you, but if you really look at like what like Betamax did, they had up until all of the theaters started to push back, they had a good strategy. They were winning. And all of a sudden, you have this group that just says, "You know what? We're going to go with the VHS because it's a, like a like they weren't anticipating all all of the theaters getting mad at how good it actually was." And so, when okay, so why why am I bringing all of this up? Is that to have a good to have a really good strategy? You also be able you have to be able to pivot. And so when things aren't going well, you have to go, we've got to stop. We have to ban the ship right now. We've got to start doing this thing here. And that's what, to me, being, being effective means. It's, I think this is like a Drucker definition. I could be wrong. But it's doing the right thing at the right time. And so, that's, and th- so when you're being effective, it's, it's, not, it's, it's um, not that the stuff that you did worked out. You can actually be horribly efficient and be very effective. When you are effective, it just means like, you're doing the right thing. And you're doing it the right time. You can even say the right way, and that you know it works out. But for, and that's why I bring up on the, I bring up on that example because the, the ability to be able to go actually, you, you know what? Um, even though we put all this money in into this, we're going to stop and, and we're going to make a hard right turn. This is basically what Netflix did. Yeah. Oh yeah. They totally. were about to bottom out in 2001. They had to fire about one um, a third of their staff, and they and basically the head of HR and the CEO um, they basically um got together and said, "What do we need to change so this never happens again?" And then from that, and they actually changed their culture so that they could become the Netflix that we know. It really wasn't even like how do we change our um service. It was how do we change like the DNA of on this company, that was a very effective move because it then ended up changing everything. Okay. So well-organized, effective, and flexible, limber. What was the last Persistent. one? Persistent. Persistent. Yeah. Which I think is actually really, really hard. Mm-hmm. When did I send you those documents to be signed? Mm, Sunday? Monday? And today is? Wednesday. Now, I'm not calling you out on purpose here, but I think it's an example of how actually difficult it can be to be, like, persistent because we have a thousand things pulling our attention in every, like, direction. Home, work, our podcast love, our podcast wives, our podcast husbands, all of that stuff. 
Uh, that made no sense at all. Um, <laughs> it's like right. It's actually surprisingly hard to be really um, to be really like persistent. And I think COVID, like I go back to that idea of being uh, like in the beginning, we're all very on um, the we're all like very like you know we we try to we all try we all try to persevere, and then we hit that. Oh, we uh, hit the like regression part, and then we you know hit recovery and repeat. And I, I think it's we. I don't. It, I actually think it's more of a skill set that either you you could be born with, but you really have to um, develop it. It's not a thing that we just kind of innately have. Some it's like some people do. You know, your extreme type A's, but even that gets reinforced in practice over time. And I think it's very important right now because if not, like, what do you do? You're going to lash out on people like you who are trying your absolute best under horrific circumstances to do a thing that, like, you don't even have to do. You don't have to provide this for all of them. Like, it's good. It's an extension of the of – the, like, but you don't have to have a youth ministry program to have a um, Catholic parish. There is nowhere in the Bible or in church I'm teaching that says you have to have youth ministry. Yeah. As far as I know, I could I could be wrong. I've been talking a lot. I'll turn that over to to you. I my I I keep coming back to the fact that parents don't want to teach their kids. Yeah, but see, I don't. That, that's no. like that's a given. Yeah. Well, so this is my problem. Like it's a given, but you can't accept that as normative. Like but that's my. I don't problem. think there's anything that you can do to really change that, though. I mean, th- I'm I, in a pessimistic mood. So there's I that. have hope. I have hope. I have hope that freaking COVID enables us to say, hey, guys, maybe because we can't. And like, like, here's the thing that really frustrates me. I was sharing this with one of my um, coworkers. I said, I can't take it anymore when people say, why aren't you doing this? You know why we're not doing that. Like, it's not because I'm just making stuff up and trying to hurt your feelings. We can't. So if we can't, why can't? You get on board and help us out. Like, we can't. We, uh, we do not have 30 kids in our youth group. We have 700 kids. So I can't have, like, just our freshman class alone is over 300 kids. What do they think I can do? Right? And all of my core members are parents. They're all doing the same thing. They're all hurting from job loss. They're all hurting mm-hmm. from... You know, they're having to homeschool their kids because blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. And so it drives me insane. And I don't want to sound like I'm just complaining all the time because I am just complaining all the time. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it drives me insane. It's catching foxes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. This is my safe space, damn it. But the idea of it is, like, it is not imp- – in fact, it is – number one, it is morally required of parents to teach their kids the faith. Not in a necessarily a book knowledge sort of way, but I would say most parents haven't done that at all in any way. And so when I have parents come and literally yell at me or yell at my wife or yell at my coworkers and be like, what are you doing for my kids? It's like, I don't know, the same thing you're doing for your kids, which looks like a whole lot of nothing, right? Like, you know, like, obviously that's not true, but she's got daddy issues. Clearly, what are you doing wrong? (laughs) Oh, Luke, there are so many of those cases. Anywho, the experience of, like, the, the there is a profound amount of hurt happening right now, and I'm not trying to negate that. All I'm trying to do is point out, like, 
the the ravenous consumer system can easily, I think, easily be overthrown by everyone understanding, even at a basic level, what the domestic church is. Basic level. Yes, I agree with you. And you know yep. how I know this is yep. true? And I've, I saw it happen today at 840 in the morning. I got a phone call from someone I haven't talked to in literally four years, three years, four years. And I Kelsch. was just even better than Kelsch. Even better. A human person better than Kelsch that you know. Who would that be? Come on. The coolest nerd you've ever met. Or the nerdiest. Roba Zoli. Oh, damn it. Why does he call you? Because, okay, here's the crazy story. I haven't talked to Roba Zoli in years. I think about it from time to time. Haven't talked to him. So because of the wonderful people, uh, I can't remember. What is her name? She's a new Patreon supporter, and she lives in California. She was mentioning how so many people are trying, you know, getting out of California because of X, oh, Y, and yes. Z. Oh, yes. Yep, yep, yep. And, I forget her name, but yeah, yeah. Right. And so whoever you are, you are awesome. Keep posting. Thank you. Yeah, You're very important to us. And your name is? <laughs> <laughs> Insert name here. I've got to edit this. Uh, Hold on a second. Yeah. The beauty of editing. Shit, I'm in my other, uh, I'm in my other uh, Patreon page. It's the one that I subscribe to on a different email. Boo. Oh, please. Yeah, no. I, I'm, I'm not creating stuff. No. So the idea of like leaving California got me thinking of my friend who is trying to desperately to do awesome stuff in California. And I have bragged on this guy for so long. He called, I haven't thought of him like, and I was like, I need to call him. I want to call him. He sends me a, uh, an email. Hey, man, I came up with a ministry idea. I want to run it by you. And I'm like, what? What? I, I, it's going to blow up, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, well, of course, everything he does yeah. is amazing. <laughs> Magically works out. Yeah. Well, and so he just, so I talked to him for like, Kylie, 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 Kylie. like we ever forgot Kylie. Right, come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, and so I was just saying to him, I was like, dude, I was just thinking about calling you yesterday. He was like, that is so weird because me and my wife were talking about calling you today. And then I just sent you that email out of the blue. So we talked. Essentially, our mutual friend, Greg Iwinski, was like, dude, we are missionaries. We are strangers in a strange land in the areas where we work, and we're the only people who know Jesus. And I think that was so beautiful. But then, like, the stuff that Adam was saying to me on the phone about, like, getting your family to pray the rosary and going to daily mass and all this stuff with your little kids and all this, it was so refreshing to hear someone who was putting God first in their family that he, he you know— he was just talking about like how hard it is, how difficult that is in the daily grind of life to do that. And he started doing it, and he said, I will, I will never go back. It is so much better this way. And, you know, he's full of zeal and awesomeness. And I'm like, here is a guy who, you know, was on the struggle bus with, you know, the fact that, you know, he's just – he's in an extraordinarily secular industry and all this stuff. He's an awesome guy. He loves Christ. He's always loved Christ. But he's like – he's now like on a mission. And my, the reason why I bring him up is my whole point is if it can happen to him, it can happen to anyone. It can happen to you, me, the people at my parish. All they need is a catalyst to get them going, right? And, they, I mean, they need to have their own faith in Jesus. I'm not trying to pretend like that doesn't, isn't required. But, man, it's not impossible. Like, that's I'm, true. No, I, that's, it's not. It is the ordinary – it is what the church expects of parents, have you ever read but, the guidelines of what the church expects of parents and godparents for baptism? It's been a hot, uh, don't tell me the, the godparents part. I'm failing so badly. Um, Are you a godparent? 
Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I'm, I am the worst. Could never make me a godparent. Done. Although, in my defense, <laughs> from the very beginning, uh, Scott and Tracy said there were no expectations. I didn't have to do anything. I said, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what? I um, get a title with no responsibilities? It was, Sign I me saw up. it was her birthday on Instagram the other day, and I was like, son of a bitch. I need to like send her a card or something. Oh, no, I'm the worst. I'm the worst at that, too. I, just, I haven't done anything. I made her a mix when she was an infant. <laughs> I said, here's a mix. I said, there's some very soft songs. They're kind of sad, especially the one by the dude that killed himself. I forget his name. Elliot something. Oh, gosh. Luke. Luke. <laughs> I know. Oh Well, Josephine, poor sweet Josephine, the first person anyone ever asked me to godparent for. And I've done Josephine, <laughs> Chris Miller's daughter. You know my friend, my friend Chris Miller? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hi, Chris. If you're still listening, please don't hate us. He is. Oh, good, good. I know. You know it's really funny because I was I'm thinking about I was I'm thinking about this earlier, and in terms of of um, the persistent piece, because I was like, I don't, I, I don't want to like push hard against you or anything. I I am I'm always I try to be careful when I bring this up, but I feel like so often it's oh if we just watch this one talk it'll be fine or here's this yeah, thing that, that. that you need and it's it's like we've been watching a lot of Father Mike Schmitz here because the Carries love Father Mike Schmitz and. Um, it's good, but I, we should never depend upon his talks as, like, our spiritual direction. It's just good when it's like, oh, this, like, fits my life right now, or, or oh, this doesn't, but it's so good. But we need, like, it's it can't be like, oh, just watch this thing and you'll be fine. Right. Or hear what this person has has to say about it. It has to be a lived, it has to be a, um, a lived reality. And way back when, I can't remember if we had both of the clerically speaking guys or just Father Harrison. I totally I forget. Yeah, we had them both. But um, we've had them both on a um, couple of times. Uh, I think one time we just had Father Harrison. I don't know why, but I, I could, he talked about how like we need more of a sacramental um, life at our homes in the sense that the way we arrange our table should have a we should come at it from a sacramental mindset. Is this arranged in a way to like? Build the family, build the domestic church, build community, or is it just a place where we put all of our stuff? Like it kind of is in my house, where you know it's really not. It's just like a. It is. It is. It is. I'm aware we eat, but it's also I'm aware we keep half of our crap. Oh yeah. And um, I mean, we, it's it really isn't that, but you know, that's always the temptation where it's like just stuff you know gets put there and um, do like I struggle so hard with this and I suck at it and I want to get better is trying to lead a more um, sacramental life. And that means, the, like, the way that my house is arranged is meant to, like, build up and facilitate and enhance the um, domestic church. Like, that's how you persist. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. you have a lived reality, and you keep engaging with it over and over and over and over and over again. But what's the young adult way? Like, what's the way that we that we have always done it? Right. What's the way that you and I do it is we don't think about it until we have to do a thing. Right. We don't think about mass until it's dear God, I got 15 minutes to get to the church. Oh, I'm five minutes late. You know, like that's the standard like ad hoc dear, you know, running deer in headlights, you know, running behind trying to make it happen there. there you can't have a consistent spiritual life or. Like, honestly, you can't have enduring growth if your whole life, if your whole faith life is measured in rushing from, like, not putting intention within your your mass attendance. Your, like you were saying with your home, your table, 
like where's the intentionality behind having a sacramental home and what that looks like i i just feel like we're too ad hoc we're too last minute we're too whatever what do you think it's there's very much a check the box mindset. I go to mass on Sundays. You know that the person who got mad is they say I go to mass every I go to mass every day. I deserve this, you know, or or, or something like that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with like at the you know I mean we've talked over and over again about how to have a good prayer life, put quantity over quality, just show up over and over and over and over and over again. That's what matters. Your faith has to. be be a lived reality. I was talking with Brad Bursa a couple of years ago, but how do you build a good work, a good workplace culture? And it just kind of hit me that you have to take the things that are very important to you and you have to incarnate them some somehow. So if having a robust open a meeting where you can engage in um, conflict is important to you, you have to have an open robust meeting where you would talk about really hard things. You can't just say we engage in conflict. You actually have to do it. You have to maybe even um, give it a name. Say we're going to take um, five minutes and just like go like um, we're going to um, go through the gauntlet or something. Like, like it has to be we're kind take of a, five minutes and we're all going to trip the light. Fantastic. Yeah, whatever. Like, like just like make things like try to make them as real as you possibly can. And I think the same thing applies to our faith life that you have to make it. It has to impact your life. And like in real and like I'm um, not just things that are you know happening to you, um, so it's not just a thing that happens. Like your response to it has to be real and concrete. And this is really like me and Aaron struggle to pray together. We're really bad at it because we're two working uh, professionals, and it's just like we have a lot of and we have a new daughter, and it's hard, and it's and we're not good at it yet. But we have to try and like. I think probably one way that would, you know, um, really help is if we gave our morning prayer a name. Mm. It could just be, um, it could be like morning prayer or, you know, it's, it's like, or just um, something that says like, you know, so it's, it's got a, like a little bit of life. It's got some heft. So it's got some, like when I um, played sports, the best coaches always had like a theme for your season. And so they'd have a, you know, there would be like, like, like this is our, this is a thing we're going to try to emphasize this year. And it gives you a lot of direction and like, and it gives you an identity. And so much of our identity as Catholics, we leave up to the parish. Hmm. So what are you going to call your morning prayer time? Uh, fun time with Luke. No, I would call it the tickle party. <laughs> No, but I, I just want to add. I want to add um, one more thing, like why I think this ties into persistence. Where, like, everyone's really good at start at starting something, or it, it can be very yes. easy to start. Yeah, th- th- like steps. Steps. Um, one through nine are great. It's step ten that's always the hardest part for most for most people, and I think that's where that's where like persistency is key. You know, like what's the most like you always. I'm talking about like. Uh, um, what's the most important day of any time you try to like try to? I'm gonna change a habit. It's the day after you fail. Always, it is, and I I don't think people give that enough credit because you know there there is a psychological condition where the future version of us is always the best version of us. Like right, like oh, in the future I'm gonna read more. I'm gonna do this more. I'm gonna do that more. And it's like why? What are you doing now that <laughs> that you believe that's the trajectory of your future? 
People do that all the time, and I do that all the time. I mean, I always do that. That's why I buy workout equipment that I never touch. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Right? Yeah. Like, that. that's what that is. It's I'm doing this thing that I think will, like, future me will be really, really good at. It's just that there's no history of future me ever, of current me ever being good at. And that's the problem, right? That's the problem. And so when you start to try to do a new habit and you have zero understanding of, well, what what am I going to do when I fail? Not if, but when. What What is life going to look mm-hmm. like at that point? That's what people don't want to think about. They don't give themselves permission to think like, oh, this could be really difficult. How do I, how do I persist or how do I get back if I fail? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Do you know what I hate the most about my sin? I don't mean a specific sins or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, like the fact that I'm a sinful man because I, you know, am a human being. What I hate about it the most is I feel like a fucking fake. Like, I feel like a fake, and I feel like all of my loved ones, all like all my family, all my sisters, they they hear me and talk about all this stuff, but they have seen the very worst of me, and they can tell you all the things about me that they're like, this is why Luke is a hypocrite. And then they would never say that. I don't think they even think that, but they could if they wanted to. And I hate that. I hate the fact that I sin, and I do these horrible things, and I have to talk about God, and I have to act like I'm fine, and everything's like, uh, like I hate it. I hate it with a passion. I wish I could just almost say, I'm not fine, but I'm trying. <laughs> you know, like it's, that's how I want to start like every talk that I really ever give. <laughs> is, I'm not fine, but I'm trying. Yeah. And um, that what stops me from being persistent is that feeling of failure. Because what's the point? I suck at this. Uh, there's, it's just, you know, all like – Blah, 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 blah. And the thing that I'm starting to realize is, like, I need this because I'm a failure. Like, I need to do these things because I fail and I suck. And I am a sinner. Like, I screw all the, like, you know, oh, I'm a good person. I'm, you know, oh, my God. I know that's all true. But I also suck and I'm a failure. So this is <laughs> like, like, I need something in my life to root me in what I actually am, which is a failed human being who is loved by God, the creator of the universe. And he obviously created in in his image. And the fact that, like, yes, I fail and I suck, but I'm not those, but, like, you're not reducible. That's actually to that. not my. Yeah, yes, that's not who I am. I am the sum of the Father's love for me. You can't just ignore the bad stuff, but it's 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 like almost like you're doing it because like the bad stuff is not a part of it, but um, it's entering into that with you. Like if the if my whole being is meant to be transformed, that means the bad stuff. It, 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 it doesn't mean all this good stuff that I can do. It means that the bad stuff that I do is like there's some healing and there's some change and there is growth. But it's not magic. It's not this thing that just happens if I check all these boxes. And everyone wants the magic. That's the problem. And I think sometimes as Christians, we sell them a bill of goods that it is going to be magical. Like one day you're this, the next day you're that. Ta-da! Right. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't yeah. tell you how many times like, I mean, just think about all these people. OK, I mean, here's another prison story. I had this guy say to me, all my friends who are Christian are going through incredible suffering. Why would I want to follow God? And I was like, do you think God is just causing these sufferings because they're Christian? He goes, 
Well, if I if God is really Jesus, then why wouldn't their life get better? Like, why wouldn't? And I was like, just from believing in Jesus, like everything should be better. Like they should get released on parole. And, then, and he's like, well, yeah. If God's real, like, is it, if he's all powerful, right? Wouldn't he want to do this for his followers? But it does. It seems like all I ever see is him punishing his followers. And I was like, yeah, well, it does feel like that. I'll tell you what. It certainly does feel like that, Lord. But that that is the fear, right? Like we've sold people a bill of goods instead of, you know, we promised people a rose garden instead of the agony in the garden. And Jesus never said that. And that's a, a great, um, terrible sales tactic for Christians who want to bring people into the church is, you know, um, everything's going to be all right in terms of your worldly life. Because we can't promise that. I was just That's talking so, with an amazing yeah. couple today, and they were telling me about, I mean, like, I could have talked to these people for hours, and I kind of did because I don't know how to stop talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just two hours for a 30-minute meeting. Oh, and I swore a lot, and they thought it was funny, so I kept swearing. Um, did, did you tell them about the podcast? I did. Of course there I go. did. I said, we're America's highest-rated Catholic podcast, and they go, oh, really? And I go, asterisk, footnote, with explicit content. And then they just started laughing. They're like, we like you. And I was like, please like me. <laughs> I need this. Oh, my gosh. I need this. Franciscan started a podcast that's basically us, but with Father Dave and Bob Rice. So it's way clever and funnier and holier and interesting. Wait, what? No. Yeah. Have you heard about this? No. Yeah. You need to listen to these. I mean, like, I, no, I mean, I love Bob Rice and I love um, Father Dave. So I am so happy that this is great. Uh. Um but let me find this really, really quick. Let me bring up the podcast description because, like, they, when they said the uh, – when they said – when they um, – I think it was on, like, LinkedIn. They had a post about the podcast, but they didn't have a name asking what it should be called. And I said, we actually catch the fox. <laughs> and Father Dave loved that. Okay. Oh, Father funny. Dave Pavanka, T-O-R, and Bob Rice are, are friends who see um, humor and hope in a crazy world. Um. Um, whether they're talking about sports, um, the movies, politics, the church, or their own lives, Father Dave and Bob try to find Christ in all all things, even in the messiness of today's um, culture. They they hope in they hope they that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Isaiah forty thirty one. Come be refreshed and renewed. That's pretty much us. Oh, Just whoa, way whoa, better. whoa, whoa. No one listens to us and feels refreshed and renewed. That's true. That's true. But like, it's because it's done well. Yeah. And they're holy, and they're and they are really good and well spoken men. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Do you think they cuss? If, no, they, no. if they cuss, we've lost it all, Luke. If they cuss, I'm closing <laughs> but, this down. I, 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 if I ever heard Father Dave Pavanka cuss like we cuss, I I just will feel terrible about yeah. myself. Well, uh, that's the last sign. The. Uh, uh, the the four horsemen of the apocalypse will be here any minute now. <laughs> Turns out, <laughs> oh, never mind. I want to. I don't want to get into politics. Oh, everything's horrible. Everything is horrible. Did I tell you what happened at work? This is a funny story. So we did a a, a thing with Mother Teresa, right? Um, uh, just uh, we're getting the relics of Mother Teresa. So I did this video on it for our parish. So, oh, yeah. I saw that being advertised. I didn't watch it, but I saw it advertised. No, that's fine. I mean, I support you with Glen Mary Home Missioners. 
When have you given us? Uh, uh, when have you given us money? Every time you ask me. Are you serious? Follow up question. Yeah. When was the last time you asked me? You need to give us money, Gomer. Damn it! You need to put your money where where you need to. <laughs> you need to put your money where your mouth is, sucker. All right, fine, I will. But I will say this: so we, you have to watch my videos for church as well, Luke. Um, but we did this Mother Teresa video, and it was really good. And what I do is I take the catechetical content of her life and apply it to our lives. Like, why is she important for us? Right? Like, so Mother Teresa, her love and service of the poor. Wonderful. Let's do this. Here's a personal story I have with her religious order. Awesome. Let's do this. First comment, Luke. First comment. How come you didn't mention Mother Teresa, her 1994 address in front of Bill Clinton where she radically affirmed life? Seems like a misstep in this election season. (laughs) I'm like, why can't we have nice things? Why can't we have nice things? I was just telling the story of Mother Teresa. I'm sorry. Not everything I think is hyper-political. Turns out it is, though. Turns out. I, I just... Uh, I can't. I just want to... I just want... You know what I want. I want to go back to a Tell time me what you want. What you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. Yeah? I'm listening. No, the next line is so... So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I want to up, I want to up, I want to up, I want to zig zig ah. Go on. <laughs> if, if you get my future, forget my past. You want to get with me, better make it last. Don't be hasty, give you a try. If we get together, we can be just fine. Right? Yeah, nailed it. Wow. There we go. Woo. Wow. You don't even have, I almost said you don't even have girls. Yes, you do. You don't have girls who listen to Spice Girls yet. And you knew no, that. but I grew, I grew up with uh, t- oh, two yeah. sisters during that time period. So I, well played. Yeah, I know all the words to all the NSYNC and all the Backstreet Boys songs. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. And tell you what you really do. Okay, tell me. You were going to have a good point oh, that yeah. distracted me. I don't know. Um, what was it about? <laughs> uh, Mother Teresa? I, th- I think this booze hit me. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, this is what really bumps me out. I want to get to a point in time when I don't have to be scared to bring like my friends um together to hang out. Do you remember that? When it was okay to have people who had different political views, you got to hang out and it would be fine. I swear at one point in time, it was easy to do that. Nope. Figment of your imagination. I feel like like around the Iraq, Afghanistan, the, the, around the Iraq and the war in Afghanistan yeah. was when that started to change. That could just be like getting from going from high school to adulthood because that's what that was for us at least. Now, I really think it was well, – yeah, I, I would say that because – I think the like media hatred of George W. Bush was so palpable, right? I mean, it was so palpable. I remember saying to you, the left hates George W. Bush the way the right now hates Obama. Like, it's just yes. cyclical now. And you're yep. like, oh, yeah, that's true. And I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't remember it being th- – I mean, it's always bad. It's always been bad. But I don't remember it being this bad. Yeah, but I, I haven't like this is the I, it kind of sucks because this is the only political um world that I've existed in as an adult. I, I wasn't I wasn't old enough to vote in uh, two thousand. So, man, oh man, oh gosh, I hate it. Well, Luke, um, I have uh, let's do two things. Can we do two things, Luke? And I can edit this out. Uh, hey, I, I have let's a bit. do two things. I have a bit. I have a bit. You ready for this bit? Yep. This is uh, Luke tells Gomer the books he should be reading that he missed when he was in high school, homeschool. All right. Here we go. So, so I want you to give me a recommendation of one, one book 
I have a handful of choices that I can give you. And I want you to tell me which one most suits your either maybe your idea of what I should have read in high school or maybe what I should be reading now. Okay? Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. So I got The Great Gatsby. Uh, I got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which I'm very excited about. And I have Dune. Dune. Now, I bring up Dune because Dune is a classic in the sci-fi genre, and I love sci-fi. But it's also uh, made into a movie that got um, postponed due to COVID. What movie didn't get postponed due to COVID? Uh, I'll tell you. Tenant, and I still haven't seen it. And Mona. Tenant and Mona. That'd be it. That was the two. (laughs) <laughs> um. I, okay. So, high school Luke, college Luke, and early twenties. Luke throughout his twenties until until JD Flynn called him out about it. Would say the Great Gatsby, but the Great Gatsby is very much of the Automa Technica Amvakua, like the self improve, like all about the self and power and stuff. But isn't that it isn't it also that. Mock, oh, I thought it was like mocking that. It does. It, it, it shows the emptiness of it, but I don't think it actually diminishes the appeal whatsoever gotcha so it's basically like yep this is awesome and it leads to this <laughs> yeah okay it leads to pure misery but i love misery but you know what i love absinthe yeah that's a good point <laughs> oh it's such a good drink and it's the the thing that's really unfun about that is the whole spectacle of actually i'm drinking it when you do it well so much fun um okay so if, if you want the real high school experience you got to go with the with Gatsby, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. That was assigned in my high school. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I actually haven't read that, but Great Gatsby is one of the like I think it's quintessential Americana. So I think it's yeah. essential reading. If you have you, have you read it? No, you no, that's what it. I'm saying. Never read. You need to read it. Yeah, no. Okay, Great Gatsby. You need to read it. Great Gatsby. You need to read it. All right. Okay. Now, can we do, Luke? Now, this is something that you might push back on. Okay. Can we do a clarification? A taking Luke out by the woodshed. Yeah. Yeah. I sent you a text message about it. Right? Did it. So last week on our show, you were sharing about your insecurities. And in one of it, you said, like when our friend uh, T. With Tolkien stopped contributing on Patreon, you took a personal. And no, I said Angie stopped. I'm following me on Twitter. Yes. And but she's a listener of the show and she was personally offended. So it was a couple other listeners because she thought you were calling her out as like you didn't give. So could you just explain what you were meaning by that? I, I thought it was pretty clear that it was more like a thing like, hey, this, isn't this kind of weird that it bothered me this much? That's what I'm saying. That's what I was trying to get across. Like she listened to it. and She was really hurt. That was the phrase. Really hurt. Oh, I, I didn't mean to say, like, like, I don't mind. I should have. Oh, no, I feel bad. Because I didn't want to. I, I don't. It's totally fine that she stopped. Like, we have, we've had tons of. I mean, I just was like, I, I felt like there was something. Because for whatever reason, I remember saying, wait, she stopped following me. And I remember being like, is she mad at me? Like, like did we do something? And then I, like, I felt bad because I was like, man. And there's there's kind of this whole thing also with like on this isn't about her at all it is it doesn't it has nothing to do with her on Twitter where I feel like she would do these polls uh, no I don't want to talk about this because if I don't I don't want to make her feel bad yeah so I, I I that's a lot she's she seems like she's incredibly sweet so um, nothing 
in my mind, everyone hates us or is like a step away from hating us. So, <laughs> so when you demonstrated, I, I blocked Tommy Ty because I thought it was effing ridiculous that he stopped on following me but still followed you. <laughs> So I blocked him on my thing and the podcast Twitter. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Maybe he doesn't care for soccer, Luke. <laughs> I just get, I just, I don't know why. I just get so annoyed. I just feel like I get annoyed when I, I feel like I'm constantly being judged by people for not being like a good enough Catholic whatever. Yeah. No, I feel like well, that I was like, screw time. you. So you. Anyways, that's what I. <laughs> you know what's really that's, hard? I'm sure he's very nice. I just was so mad about that. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. It's ridiculous on my part. On my part, it's ridiculous on my part. <laughs> but still, screw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't leave well enough alone, can you? No. no, it's fine. It's fine. But like, honestly, screw that guy. He should die. <laughs> he should die right now. No, no, no. But isn't it funny how? So I get this all the time as a Catholic speaker when people find out like. Catching foxes, oh, catching foxes, or, or whatever it might be. There is this, like, there is such a strong mold that people demand you fit in, and it's really frustrating because I don't at yes. all yes. fit in that mold. And I think that's kind of what our podcast is about. Like, for people who, like, I mean, come on, we're nothing, <laughs> we're not we're not 90% of the podcasts that are out there, and for good reason – if you want to listen to something like that, you have tons of options. But we're not that. And we just think there's too much of that. And it's like, and Luke would never let me be like that, which is why I'm friends with Dave Van Fickle, too. Um, but <laughs> I feel an intense yeah. pressure, an intense pressure mm -hmm. when I speak. Like when people find out, you know, like Catching Foxes has an explicit tag. Like I, it's a joke to me, you know, like. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're America's number one rated podcast yeah, with an explicit tag. Like, to me, I think that's the funniest thing in the world. And to some people, they're like, why? What's wrong with you? And you're like, I'm sorry. I'm not Marcus Grodi. Like, Marcus Grodi is Marcus Grodi. We don't need another Marcus Grodi. He's good. I don't, you know, I, I don't need to be another Scott Hahn. Dear Jesus, please say I'm another Scott Hahn. We don't need another Scott Hahn. Maybe. Get maybe. that Scott Hahn money. Get that Scott Hahn money. <laughs> But honestly, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I just am so, I'm so sick of the box that sometimes you need to blow up the box just to feel like a human person. Not that the box is wrong or evil or the people who conform to it are wrong and evil. But if I read another speaker bio that says, this dynamic and humorous speaker weaves together Catholic thought with a positive, you know, like you see that in every speaker bio. I just, you know, I'm just. No, well, and I, you know, I have this narrative in my head that people like you more than me. Only the Catholics, Luke. <laughs> I think it's and no, but like I'm really sensitive to it, and it's not because I think you're a bad person and I'm a better person than you or anything like that, or that like it's just it's that I feel like I'm not good enough to be whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And so there's this um, when people will start um to follow us, but you know, like this, like when I saw that, I, mean, I don't know how, I don't know why I saw this. I probably I don't know, I have no idea why or how this happened, but I just saw oh he stopped following me. And then my gut is to go, like, does he follow Gomer? And it's like, oh, he still does. But he doesn't follow the podcast or me, but he, now he follows Gomer. It's like, 
oh, I don't like Luke or what really I'm Luke. Like, like I'm not good enough to be in this Catholic speaker circle. Uh, I, I don't yeah. want to be. I, I have no desire to be in that. I'm not. I'm, I've, I have never once sought that out. But there is this thing where I'm like, I'm kind of in that, but kind of not. Yeah. You know, and I feel this very intense, like, rejection from some people in that group. And I'm, sh- and it is a narrative that I build in my head that probably doesn't exist. But it, it just, like, I have gotten lunch with people. I've hung out with um, with with people before. And then I'll feel like I won't really interact with them as much afterwards and think, oh, well, they hate me now. Yeah. You know, or something like that. Or, like, um, trying to think of, like, another better better example of this but there's like this um i like we're putting ourselves out there and with that comes rejection and i have a very very hard time handling rejection like it's just for whatever um reason it like it's it either like i have one or two reactions whenever it happens i get intensely angry or I get profoundly hurt. Yeah. You know, and and there's really no middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I don't know you or care or think you're weird. So it just, um, it like, it's just for whatever reason, like, that's just really difficult for me to handle. It's, it's you know, it's a character flaw. And I'm working on it. Um, but it, it just, you know, so I like it, like, like when I saw that T with Tolkien stopped on the following us, I was like, crap, she thinks we suck. Like she doesn't like like I feel oh, like yeah, uh, and I think about and this is something that people don't understand. Every time I log into like Patreon, yes, yep, every time yep, I log in yep. and it tells me who canceled, I feel like I even if I inside. yeah yeah you're just yeah. like and oh. it's not because of the money. It's it's it has it nothing had, to do not with at that all. not at all. all. Yeah, like when it's a, like the, there was one time where we had a friend who stopped who like you know stopped um, giving to us and this person had a very nice note just said they wanted to support other things and i was like well they hate us now yeah like this is just this is i guess this person thinks we're terrible or, or we're not as good as we used to like there's this i have this fear that we're not as good as we used to be and for whatever reason because it's just you know cuz certain people like have brought that up before and i've and i've said uh, multiple times what what my thoughts are on on that, and I actually think we're better. I think we're better podcasters now. I think we have a we have a more interesting show, all these other things. But it like it was so cool to see that like as great as it feels when you're doing this new thing and people are like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, and you're like, wow, this is really cool. Like God's doing something here, and this idea we had is I'm taking off. People like it's such an exciting, fun thing. As fun as that is, there's the inverse of that where people say this has gotten bad, or you, or like this was like the worst part is now when someone says I don't like this, I can handle that. Yeah, it's when unless they're like a big person who I respect. <laughs> um, yeah. I built up in my head that your really big speakers like don't actually like what we're doing. And when certain people like don't come on the show or they say that they can't, or they are unbusy, I read into it as like, I don't like what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I will say this, Luke, people won't come on our show. People can't come on our show. Yeah. If yeah. they're and trying that, to project it hurts. that aura though. Like, that's the thing. This is the thing that Catching Foxes has done for me. 
right? Because I see how, because I have Every Knee Shall Bow, which is a podcast on evangelization, and I I do evangelization, like that's my thing at a parish level. People think immediately that I'm some legendary evangelist who is converting the nations, you know? And I'm like, I'm just investing in my local community. That's all I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not anything, but here's the deal. It is very easy to begin to structure the podcast and things. It's a very easy temptation. Let me put it that way to like falsify who you are. Like, oh, yeah, I do that all the time, Dave Van Vick. Oh, yeah, I do this all the time. And I'll tell you what, there is so much artificial posturing within the Catholic speaker community because you don't want to look like a godless heathen compared to all of these people. You don't want to look like you're on the struggle bus when everyone has an Instagram account that's blowing up, when all these people are speaking and doing all these things. And you don't want to look like the ass clown that didn't pray that day. And now you have to go and give a talk to a thousand youth or whatever it might be. And so you're like, oh, man, it's just the Lord is really speaking to me. And people have admitted this. Like they've lied through their teeth about this stuff. I'll talk to people. I mean, I, I have met two-faced people. Now, I will say the over overwhelming majority of people that I have met, that I hang out with, that I have any sort of Catholic or friendship with in the Catholic speaker circuit are like legit people, right? They're honest. They're humble. They do what they do because they feel like the Lord's called them to it. It's not a fake, let me make money, money, you know, but there's this tension. Like even the tension is within us, even if it doesn't even exist. I remember we had a friend, Luke, I don't know if you remember this, but at Franciscan people would be like, People would say this all the time. Oh, I always feel like I'm being judged. I always feel like I'm being yeah. judged. Yep. And I would say, well, who is judging you? Well, I feel like those people, like the homeschoolers, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but have they ever said anything? Do they look at you and roll their eyes? Or do you feel something inside you? Like, like I think you said it so well, Luke. You said, this is the sin in me. Like, this is a thing that I'm working on. It's not necessarily them. Maybe they cut their Twitter feed back by 25% be- and from all yeah, the people yeah. who yep. they, they've never DM'd. You know, I do stuff like Like on Facebook, my first purge was I'm getting rid of everyone that I don't have more than 25 friends in common with. I don't accept friend requests from anyone who I don't have at least 25 friends in common with. That was like a hard policy once I began speaking. Well, I had to cut out 1,500 people. Because it turns out when you do a retreat and someone's moved by a talk, the first thing they do is look you up on Facebook and friend request you. And so to them, it looked like I unfriended them. But I wasn't. I don't post relig- I don't post ministry stuff on Facebook. That's for my friends and family, and that's it. And even then, I'm on there once every two or three weeks. But, you know, I, I, I do feel like this. Like, Luke, there is a profound amount of fakeness. When you're in ministry, and I, I won't say it's fake out of a maliciousness, but it's fake out of a desire not to lead people astray and be a scandal. But you know you're not saying the thing you want to say. Because once you get a bottle of booze in someone, all of a sudden who they really are starts to come out. And I met those people. I've met the real hair down, you know, like, this is what I'm struggling with kind of people. And I've seen it across the board. Some of it is, is legit, though. Like, I just don't want to I – don't, I don't want to lead people astray because I'm not in a good place. So I'm going to put on a brave face and go forward. 
And that's not being fake. That's being brave. But, man, there's a thin line. Yeah. And it's... Who doesn't enjoy being liked? Yeah, everyone. Everyone. You know, like, everyone um, likes that. And it's it's just very weird when... um, like you start to not be liked, you know. Like, the, like there, are, like there are things that I have said here where, like, like, he, like, it's. I don't know. It's, it's. Ah, yeah. Hmm. I don't know if there's anything else we can really say about. Well, this, I, I, let me so just. Interesting. Yeah. Let me throw this out. I want to keep talking you. about it. Let me throw this out at you, and you tell me what you think. So yeah. I have a phrase that I use that I kind of, you know, the Baltimore Catechism. What's the meaning of life? To know, love, and serve God in this life, so we can be happy with Him in the next. To know and to love are the two principal acts of the human mind, right? Aristotle, St. Thomas Aquinas, Bonaventure, all of them, right? To know something rationally and to love something with your will, right? The greatest things a human person can do. Not sex. People who misread Christopher West. Um, This one person said, I think we're going to have sex with everyone in heaven because sex is like the highest thing a person can do. And I was like, you need to reread Theology of the Body. (laughs) You do not know what you're talking about. Love and truth. But um, so I, I have this saying that I do. And if you listen to my talks, you'll hear it pretty quickly when I start sharing. And I, I share it with adults. So the other day I'm teaching my daughters, right? So I have a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old. And I'm doing faith formation with them in my room. And here's the thing that sucks. They could not care less about daddy teaching them faith formation, which breaks my heart more than any middle schooler rolling their eyes at me when my own kids are like, oh, do we have to? And I'm like, what am I doing wrong as a dad? Like, we pray at night. I talk about it. It's like a part of our life. It's not a fake thing, but they hate it. So I decided to give them like a talk like I would give on like a confirmation retreat. And I have this thing where I say every human person in this room wants two things out of life. Everyone wants to be known, and we all want to be loved. Everyone. There's no one here that's comfortable not being known or not being loved. We want to be known for who we really are, and we want to be loved. What does it mean to be loved but not known? To be loved but not known is superficial. It's weak. It's the equivalent of me going to a Taylor Swift concert, and she's saying, to all my fans, I love you. And then me being like, oh, my goodness, and then calling my it wife. It means so much to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then calling my wife and being like, honey, we got to get a divorce attorney. Like, I don't know what it's like to be in a love triangle. I was homeschooled. I'm a part of her squad. I'm a part of her squad. She knows me by name. You know, and I have this whole, jo- I like, I have this whole elaborate jokey thing where I'm like, really, if Taylor Swift really knew me and loved me, then how come she never responds to any of my tweets? Um, but the idea at its core is Taylor Swift does not know me at all. So her ability to love me is incredibly diminished. And I can't build a life on that. So I said, well, what about the opposite girl? Right? And they're all, and you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's superficial. It's surfacey. It's not deep into our lives. Like it won't change us if someone doesn't even know us and be like, oh, I love you all. You mean so much to me. But what about the opposite? To be known but not loved. And I asked my Kateri this. I said, well, what do you think that is? She's like, well, I don't know. And I said, for someone, I said, how would you feel if someone said, I know you, I know the real you, and no one could ever love you? So how would you feel? And she looked at me. I'll never forget that. She said, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. Right? Like, that is our greatest nightmare, to have someone say, I know you. How could anyone love you? And I said, so what do we do, Katiri? 
What do we do in that moment? We're so scared of someone meeting and knowing the real us and rejecting us that we settle for someone knowing the fake version of us, meaning not knowing us, just to get that love, just to get the like, just to get the Mm -hmm. attention, just to Mm -hmm. get the affirmation, just so I can feel secure in myself for five freaking minutes. I'm going to lie to you. Yeah, I like that band. Yes, I like this ice cream. You know, it can be the most trivial stuff. We lie because we're afraid of being rejected or alone or forgotten. And she, like, you would have thought I just revealed to her the secret of the universe. She just stared at me. And I said, so what do we have in Jesus? He knows Every horrible thing we have ever done. And he never stops loving us. In fact, he goes so far as to say, give me the most unlovely thing about you, your sin, and I will take it on myself so that you can be free. What kind of love is that? Right Now, this is where the love of Jesus becomes practical. If that love is in my life, then individual people, and this is, this is what conversion is. It's I'm so sure of the grace of Christ that I can let you reject me. I, it'll still hurt on, on a very real level. It's not like I become apathetic. But I am secure in a love that never ends. And if I can move from my fickle loves of trying to earn and earn and earn your love and your love and your love. And these anonymous people who write the ugliest things on iTunes that will one day be printed on a coffee mug. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean to call someone that you donated to cucks. Yeah, that was a little weird. Right. Like, that's not just weird. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Like, it's It's perverted. In its right. You just be like, listen, I don't like what you guys are doing. I think you're wrong about Taylor Marshall. I'm moving on. Okay. But to take that next step of, of making it like obscene and ugly, the reason why we can laugh at that is because like, I didn't know that person. Did you know that person? I've never seen them comment on Patreon. No. Yeah. No, I, I never no saw them contribute. Yeah, but no it, was idea. A, it was like a, a one month, two month donor on, on Twitter, on Patreon. But he never contributed to anything, so I didn't know him. So his hatred is as superficial as his, you know, as my knowledge of him. But what if he were someone that we really did care about and saying that? No one can hurt you more than someone who loves you and knows you. And so my, my hope is that we as intelligent, rational animals place Christ at the center. And then from that, we understand, like, we go out of our way to not want to be known and loved, but to do the St. Francis of Assisi prayer. I want to know and love these people who are closest to me. My job is to love Everly more than Everly will ever be loved by another human person. And to love Aaron, you know, to love Shannon, Mm -hmm. and to love Mm -hmm. Katerina. That's my job. To love your Luke. To love my Luke. My precious, you know, it's funny. Let me just say this. My son Thomas asks about you. Thomas and Cecilia ask about you almost every day. How's how's Lukey doing? That's what they That's call awesome. you, Lukey. How's my Lukey? Or oh, and then the best. Thomas calls you Fat Lukey, but it's because he's <laughs> trying to say Flat Lukey. We know settling 
won't make us happy, but we settle because we're terrified of rejection. Hmm. I remember yeah, I, I remember Rush Limbaugh saying like Rush Limbaugh used to have a commercial on ABC back when he had a television show on ABC and he said first he made me laugh then he made first he made me mad then he made me laugh then he made sense and it was like Rush Limbaugh America's America loves to hate Rush Limbaugh and that was the first time I ever heard that phrase like we all love to hate him you know, like Andy Kaufman and all that stuff we love to hate him and I used to think about that and one day Rush Limbaugh was talking and he was talking about all these people calling him a racist and, you know, a Confederate and all that stuff back in the 90s when he was, you know, super popular. And I remember him saying, and, like, my parents who were listening to him, I remember him saying, this kills me that people say this. Like, people think, like, I love to be a villain in some drama. He's like, I'm, I'm a human being. Like, this rips me to shreds. When, when people who are, you know, in the liberal media and blah, 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 say these things about me. Like, it shreds me. He's like, everyone wants to be loved. Why would I be any different? You know, and I just remember being like, oh, that guy, that talking voice out of the speaker is a human. Who knew? Like, how many people have I, like, not afforded that grace to? Or, or have I, you know, it's just, it's so easy just to, like, believe the narrative that you have built up in, in your head. Yeah. For a lot, like, we all, you know, it's funny, as, as a culture that, like, rejects, that, you know, a rejects narrative, we all sure have a hell of a lot of it going on in our own minds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, I've been, and yeah. You know, and it's just so easy to just to think like, like, I love this podcast. I love it. I love talking to you. I love being able to do it. I love all the people that we have met because of it. I am almost reduced to tears at every good message that we get. It's like what God has done. Like, my gosh, I don't, we don't deserve this. It's, it's, it is insane. And it's so... It's just it's just so crazy how like I can twist that, and I can um, take it, and you know I, I can think because like we do put a lot. Out. I'm not saying that we're that we're special because of this, and I'm not trying to make this about us. This is just an an example that there is this thing of like when they reject this, they're kind of rejecting us. Yeah, that's and so when true. It's, <laughs> and when it's someone that like I know and res- and like respect, like it, her, like I was like Tommy Ty doesn't like me. It's like exactly that's where my mind went, and I was like, I just thought like, I, why am I not good enough for like this Catholic br- like group of people here? Like, what the heck? It just really, and I see it on, you know, on Catholic Twitter. We're not. Like, there's definitely a hierarchy, and we're not a part of it. And it, um, like, dr- it like bothers me so much because I'm just thinking, like, what, like, what is what? And but like, but it doesn't mean anything because it's not like it's not like I don't know. It's it's weird because I feel like the only thing that's going to calm me down is what I want to hear, which is that we're great and awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I. I don't know how to let go of that desire without uh, without letting go of the of like hearing the like the good part, which is hearing when people like it. You know, so it's like um, if the like, how do you how can you be detached but also appreciate the good? Yeah, yeah. I'm not good at that yet. Uh. Woo. All right, Luke. I love you. I was. I, love I was you. really. Wor- I, I. I. love you, Luke. Let me ask you, you this: hmm. Is my love for you enough that even if we had three hundred listeners, we would still do this show? 
Uh, you know what's really? F- I'm actually. I have thought you probably were just going for a joke here. Yes, it sure is. <laughs> I was going to give you a real answer. <laughs> I would do this show if we had you know barely any listeners because yeah. it has enabled me to one keep my relationship with you going. Yeah, that's been wonderful. Whereas it wouldn't nearly be. I mean, it wasn't before. I would talk to you maybe once a month at the most when you were in the Virgin Islands, when you were in Eureka. The other thing is I learn so much about my own thoughts in talking them over with you. Because you are so different in the way you approach stuff that it helps me to see me more clearly. I mean, it's the straight line like uh, C.S. Lewis talked about when one of their friends in the Inklings died. He was talking about J.R.R. Tolkien. He said, uh, you know, he's like, I'm sad that so-and-so died and I'll miss him. But I will also miss the part of J.R.R. Tolkien that only this guy could bring out. Like, I can't bring that side out of him. You know, like I have a, a, a friend who just brings out the like a weird hilarious side of me that in a in a mm-hmm. different different style yeah. of joking. Yep. And yep. you know, it's like it's just a different, you know, and I even imitate him in this, his style of joking and it makes us feeding off of each other even funnier. And that's what me and you do in our in our thing, in our idiom, in our approach. And I think about that like I can't there's nothing I can replace this with. I don't have a closer friend and I want to end with this comment from uh uh, a Patreon fan of of both ours and a fan of of every new bow, but he made a comment that was very honest. He's got good prayer life, good family life, good this, good that. And he said, "But I hear the way you and Luke talk, and I realize something that's lacking in my male community. I don't have any." Right? Did you read that email yet? Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that was really powerful. It was, powerful it, was. it was, and real, that's and, as, yeah. I read that. You know, he sent it. I think yesterday. And I read, you know, because I get every email notification, like when you say, how's it going, everyone? And then everyone responds. <laughs> and then about 20 emails Those are in. Those are high as re- We get like 100 responses. I know. If the, I just say, hey, what's up? Yeah, the <laughs> best part is awesome. about three people around the 25, 50, and 75 mark are like, I can't wait to see Gomer comment on how many emails he gets. Because I do. I get every comment, every side comment, every reply. But the, the thing that they said, like, it is worth Having this time together for me as a human person. Yes. yes I and for me, I can't tell you I how many times I have quoted you in staff meetings. <laughs> right? And that's. Father Tom loves me. <laughs> he loves you more than me. But just think about that. Like, you feel insecure about not being elevated to the level of the Catholic speaker circuit, what, what, you know, like whatever that is. But you have, like, side comments you've made have changed the way I do ministry at a parish level. Hmm. And so that changes me. And I'm sure it's because of your community with Brad Bursa and Sarah that you guys talking back when you were in young adult ministry and how you affected and were affected by those people, the core missionaries, the, all the things that you were doing. You just speaking about the same with Dave Van Bickle. I mean, he, he comes at it from a different place. But you two, like, hearing that, has changed my ministry. So I can't give up on catching foxes because if I feel like if I give up on catching foxes, I'm going to lose my job because I just steal everything you say and pretend like it's mine. 
Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's not, I did the same thing with Brad Burns. It's totally fine. I made a whole career out of it. Yeah, no, I, 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 um, I'm the same way. That it, there's something very good about, um, and I think this is what what I need to cling to. Like every single time we've tried to expand this, every single time we've talked about what else could we do with catching foxes, it always doesn't go anywhere. And I think it's because we just are called to be a really good podcast. Also, we're lazy, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We are lazy. Um, we're not persistent. <laughs> no, not in the slightest. Nor effective. So, <laughs> you know, but like you know, we've had ideas for like um, YouTube stuff and other things, and it's just like it's like, but this is really good, and I really, really like doing this. I think push like take away all the money to take away all the like you know whatever the, that goes along with it. I love talking, and I love like hearing what you do with these conversations. Yeah, like there's nothing better than uh, I was. This happened the other day. I was um, I was listening to our show and I was like, this is just so much fun because it's. And this just sounds like we're this is so self congratulatory. <laughs> we are so great, <laughs> selfie. <laughs> but it, no, it just there's like it's when you do something because you love doing it and you love what it is. That's really fun. Yeah, and it took a long time to get there. You know, like I don't know if I could like if we were you know. Like three years ago, if we had all of a sudden dropped down to a couple hundred um people after a while, I, I may have been like, uh, I, like, but like we've got to hit this stride now where it's like we did what we wanted to do and now we're just having fun with it. Yeah. So I don't know. Aaron's got to come in soon because she's got to grab some. So if you hear the door open, that's that's what's going on there. Okay. Well, why don't we wrap up? Luke, do you have oh. anything to finish? I do, yes. Uh, I want to just encourage people. There's an event. I'm going to put this in the show notes. It's like a Zoom event happening in the Archdiocese of um, of Cincinnati. It's for anyone who might be interested in consecrated life. And it's actually really cool. And I was, I'm thinking about this um, earlier. There are So, like, one of the groups involved is the Glen Mary Home Missioners. So, full disclosure with that but there's a lot of other like there's a lot of other there's a lot of other um religious groups that have uh a ton of um history like the precious bloods and i'm drawing a blank on the other ones i sent it to you give me just a second here i want to make sure that i get this right um you i think you i would imagine you're probably gonna have a right i have okay so let's see who's involved so it's just Sorry about that. Back, like you have the um, Franciscan friars. You have the, you have the sisters of um, of um, like Saint Francis. Like like, there's a lot of really uh, cool um, religious groups who have consecrated individuals who are who are going to be involved um, involved with this. And, and the church really does have a deep history of these groups of these orders doing fantastic things and being like really cool. So I would just, I'm going to recommend that if God has put this on your heart at all, check this out. Um, it's worth, uh, you know, at the, at the very least, just trying to find out who these groups are and what they do. So I'll put a link to that into the show notes. It's on, uh, all throughout the month of no, I sorry I think the first week of uh, the first um, week of like, November they are doing this it's Vocations Awareness Week and I was just impressed with all of the groups who are involved and really honestly the truly profound um, history that that these groups have and the impact that they've had on the American um, Catholic Church especially right now is very underrated and not um celebrated nearly 
enough. So, yeah, if you if you think you're called to the consecrated life, check that out in the show notes. All righty. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been the most self-referential episode of Catching Boxes. Yikes. And I think no, the- it was good, though. That it was, was actually a really good chat. Yeah, I feel good now. I feel Now I feel very bad. I'm going to write back to T with Tolkien. I think if you personally write to her, I think that would make her day. Really? Okay. Yeah. I truly just thought she like didn't like me or something. So I was like, <laughs> I was just trying to say why I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well, and like, who doesn't like, I mean, I, you know, I should have been probably more careful with that because people don't like hearing themselves talked about like that. I would imagine, you know, like she's just, you know, doing her thing, being awesome. And I'm just a huge piece of shit. As I said before, I'm a sinner, and I'm, I was like like two and a half of drinks, and I'm going, you know what? I'm a sinner, and I suck. Yeah. No, man, I'm five drinks in. <laughs> and a bowl of ice, pint of ice cream. There you go. That's a Luke Carey way. 